Ah, welcome, soul fam, to an episode on Ceremony Circle that is going to bring you many breaths of fresh air. I'm your host, shaman and author Allison Charles, and today I am joined by fellow medicine woman and author, Dr. Erin McMurrow. Now, after recording this interview, I was reflecting on something that has always been very important to me back when I set the original intention for this podcast. And while I knew it would be a very sacred, medicinal, and powerful show, I still wanted it to be fun and filled with lightheartedness. And recording with Aaron brought me back to that place because we laugh a lot in today's show, while at the same time, we cover some really, really deep, potent transformational ground. Erin actually shares about a very personal experience in life that she has never spoken publicly about. It's regarding a very big national abuse case against a doctor, and she is a part of this case. And there is a very deep, freeing energy that takes place as we enter into that space together. And I just want to honor and thank Erin again in this moment for her willingness to share because it is such powerful, beautiful medicine. While Erin has a PhD in policy, planning, and development from the University of Southern California, I couldn't help but steer our conversation over to the spiritual side. So she shares all about her spiritual breakdown that she had in 2013 that led her to Bali, one of my favorite places on the planet, to yoga teacher training and all things quote-unquote woo. We also dive into what radical responsibility is, especially in the context of healing and spiritual path, and how embodying radical responsibility will change your life and the world. Another thing we both get very passionate about is why our culture over here in the U.S. seems to mock spirituality, how and why movies portray shamans, witches, goddesses, and the way that they do typically, and why that makes it all the more important that those of us who have these callings, who know that we are witches, shamans, high priestesses, etc., it's so important that we stand in the truth of these callings and hold that line and space. We explore the plant medicine that provided Aaron's throat chakra healing and opening, the mantra that nearly brought her to her knees years ago, but makes her shake with power now. We share that and actually have the opportunity to speak that mantra aloud yourself if it calls to you. And believe it or not, we talk about orgies. Yes, we get into this. I'll let you discover why in the episode. We also dive into how connecting back to Great Mother Earth is the key the key to healing all of humanity and the energetic layers of all. Yes, you heard me correct on that. We explore divine masculine and divine feminine and how to root down to rise up and owning our power, how to not give your power away anymore. And of course, at the end, it is ceremony time. Erin is the author of Grounded, a fierce feminine guide to connecting with the soil and healing from the ground up. So she leads us in a game-changing guided meditation that gets you grounded in said power. So let's go for it, soul fam. This is a ride you will be so glad you took. And while it is a wild one, remember, you are in safe space. So there is no need to buckle up. So welcome to Freeing Your Magnificent Soul Medicine with Dr. Erin McMurrow. 
So I'm really grateful to be here with you. Likewise. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for flying in. I know you made a special trip. I did. I did. It was my first time in Austin, so I'm really excited. Well, speak, I didn't know that until this moment. And what are your thoughts of the energy here? Because it was only my first time when Luke and I came over the Christmas New Year holiday oh. to see, you know, because we had felt a call here. I'd never been, though. And I felt you know, some pretty particular things energetically before the plane even landed. So I'm curious for for you as a fellow medicine woman, like, I know you've only been here for like less than 24 hours, but have you picked up on anything different here? I I love it so far, first of all. Um, And I thought I might. Lots of people told me before I came that I might not come back. (laughs) They're like, wait, we we might just lose you to Austin. (laughs) And I've I've had that feeling. And it's funny that I've never been here because I've been drawn. I've been like, I think this is coming at some point. And this happened to be the thing. So the second I got the invitation, I was like, that's it. And uh, as soon as I got here, actually, I made it to my Airbnb. And it started pouring raining, which is one of my signs where it was just like, Oh, just like, thank you. Thank you for whatever this is. Mm. And I just felt I dropped right in. It felt very, well, we were saying, I was speaking to Luke earlier and it was um, grounded, literally (laughs) just feeling like there's something really soft and sweet. There's something in the land itself. There's something I had a feeling would probably be here. And the rain kind of accentuates that as well. And I've had a sense because I've been in LA where I know you were before and there's, and I love LA, nothing against LA, but the dryness was starting to be like, just for me, I'm feeling called more to rain or more mm. to forest, uh, more to richer soil in that sense. So, Oh, I love that yeah. mother nature greeted you yeah. in the way that you are really like calling in and that your being was wanted. And I, I mean, so perfect that we started from that place <laughs> because yes, your book is titled Grounded, <laughs> a fierce feminine guide to connecting with the soil and healing from the ground up. And It's so funny and why I wanted to ask you, because I know we are both spiritual women who love to connect where we feel called to connect, (laughs) and we both love to connect into land. Mm. And my first sense as well, before the plane had even landed here in Austin, I could feel the groundedness Mm -hmm. and I could feel my central nervous system softening yeah, and like letting go a little bit. So it's interesting that you felt the exact same thing. (laughs) So I'm so intrigued, you know, it's, um, it has been an interesting journey for me and the few months that we, you know, we've officially moved here Mm -hmm. and we're still renovating the house. We're not officially grounded in that space yet, but I have been in probably the most powerful up-leveling phase of my life in the uh, three, four months since we have officially moved here. So I'm just with it, you know, and just like taking my sweet time and being very gradual. I'm not rushing anything. I'm very much honoring like where I know I need to be, what I know I need to be doing. A friend yesterday, I did go out to her land and we sat out there for a couple of hours and just connecting. And um, she was laughing. She said, she said, you know what I noticed about you? You're really selective. All these gatherings and I show up, you know, you don't come to any of them. <laughs> I was like, you're correct. I'm very selective. I'm just, but I am, I'm attuning to these new grounds, these new lands. I've never lived in Texas. It's it's a whole new frontier for me. Right, yeah. And there, it's very powerful here. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Texas alone was really interesting. Just landing and being in the airport, I was like, oh, okay, I am in Texas. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's beautiful. I could immediately feel like the foodie culture as well too, even even in the airport. And then as we discussed a little ahead of time, I also, I just moved. And so this same time frame that you're describing is the exact same time 
time frame for me of mm. also feeling like this epic up leveling in my in my life where the book has finally come out at, and I've been working on it for seven years. Wow! So it's a very specific moment, and it came with a move, and it came with the death of a beloved animal, which has all been so beautiful. It was just epic shedding and. And coming here is part of me actually feeling into where I may want to be going, where I may desire to land, because I feel very called to woods and to some kind of cabin. Mm. And I'm not sure I've been on a mountain with an ocean view this whole time, and I think I'm going into the woods somewhere. So cool. maybe it's here. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would love to be one of the first to welcome you. <laughs> you. I think you would be a great addition to this incredible <laughs> whatever is occurring here. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating and powerful and beautiful. And there are a lot of woods around these parts, yeah. especially out here in hill country yeah. where we are. But you kind of liked it out here. Yeah. You're staying more in the city for this I'm trip. I'm more in the city, which is fun because I can kind of check that out as well. Exactly. And then come out here and take a peek at what's here. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. So as I said, you have this incredible book and you also have your PhD in… <laughs> Urban Planning Sustainable Cities. Yes. I knew I would never be able to remember <laughs> that. But I was really fascinated in… You know, feeling into who you are, which I just really enjoyed doing that. I'm never invasive with it. I wasn't like, you know, going into your soul or anything, but just like getting a sense of who you are energetically. Um, I was like, oh, wow, I can tell that you've really done a lot of work and some of the ways that we talk are similar. And I just see in you a fellow medicine sister, yeah. you know, and I was like, oh, yeah. yay, this is going to be so great. And it was so cool for me to see that in your dedication to learning about the land and learning about the soil and getting your PhD, I was struck that in connecting with Great Mother Earth in the way that you have, it really, in that process, seemed to open up this whole other unexpected thing for you in terms of spiritual awakening, if you call it that, and having, um, I think these are your words because I don't want to misquote it, but I believe you phrased it in 2013, you had a spiritual breakdown. And so I, I kind of want to start there and, and just let me know what's coming up for you in that because I know that Great Mother Earth has been I mean, my shamanic path, my connection points and who has taught me and who guides me and the calls I live by are Great Mother Earth, the divine wisdom within me and Great Spirit. And so in me connecting more deeply with her, I mean, that was a game changer for me. So I'm just so curious how it worked for you mm. in your attuning to her, all these other things started to happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I'm us sorry. all about it. <laughs> Thank you. I sort of feel like it happened backwards in some way. And I do, I was born breech under a new moon. So I, I do have this thing that's like, I kind of come in upside down backwards and in the dark. Mm. <laughs> Which I think they say it's a metaphor how you were how you were born as well. And so I often say this sort of the spiritual breakdown that I called it. And I say that, I mean, it's a little hard to describe. I, I sort of feel like that's accessible by people because it is, uh, there's a little bit of an eat, pray, love element, right? To my journey where it's like um, kind of privileged woman is going along her path, right? And then some stuff happens and then everything kind of falls apart and then it shifts. And for me, I mean, literally it's also Bali. So it was like, I was going through this path. I was like hardcore academia, very much in my head, but I was called to sustainability. So I was doing 
I feel like I hear rain. Rain sound. is that? It is totally pouring. Oh, it's outside. actual rain. No, I like, no. I decided I for like, you. <laughs> we added in some sound effects. <laughs> That's amazing. It's literally torrentially <laughs> pouring. Yes, for just for you. Oh my god, so good. Like yeah. <laughs> so there was yeah this this moment, and now it's unveiling and unveiling and unveiling what all I was actually going through during those years in graduate school that I wasn't even aware of. I didn't even know what to be looking for, but my body was telling me that I was getting more and more stressed out and I was working in sustainability, but in this way where I thought I would be working like with a city in this sort of official way. And it never happened. None of those jobs ever worked out. I was highly qualified for them. I also got displaced from two homes in a row, which was really interesting. I was a renter in What Venice. was all of that sh- revealing to you, you think? At, well, at the time, I felt like my life was falling apart and I was failing at everything. Like that was the only paradigm I had. And that had so. to have been so confusing because you d- just devoted so yeah. many years yeah. to, to this particular yeah. study and things weren't seeming to click into place. And like the, not even not click into place, like blow apart, <laughs> get out of here, complete destruction. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because I just went through something similar, very similar. It's almost literal like bookend seven years apart where this time when everything shed, I knew exactly what was happening. It actually felt, it didn't feel good exactly, but kind of did. Cause I was like, Oh, it's time it's time to let this all go again and reform whatever, like let whatever is coming in, in. And so it's sort of, I've been seeing it as this image of like, um, there's a crystal egg or something and it drops and shatters. Mm. And um, that first time it's like, and, and this is kind of why I tell this story uh, is because so many people experience what I experienced seven years ago and feel like their life is falling apart and everything is horrible and they have failed miserably at everything. And that experience itself required me to even shed the concept of failure at some point. So yes. I went, I went straight to Bali. <laughs> I got on a plane and that's where like the download for the book came. It was like, this is a book and you have to do it. Just just do it. That's all you need to know. That's your only direction. It's your only directive. Do whatever it takes. Mm. And it seemed bananas the whole time. Like I was in my early thirties. I was like, okay, I'm ready to partner, like make a bunch of money at my new job. I'm going to do this, you know, all of these. And now you're on a plane to Bali getting a download for a book. You're like, wait, this was not not a business plan. This is not a viable plan. Like, and even everything that I've put online and things like this, I had no interest in being involved online or having a platform. Like I was Mm. like PhD woman who was going to go work in the city, but it required me to to sort of come out in all of these ways and express. And and then these creative juices started to flow. Mm. And then by following the book, I got guided to everywhere I needed to be. And it was my own like personal somatic healing work. It was through relationships. It um, ended up coming into ceremony and plant medicine entered pretty quickly thereafter in 2014, 15. And that just, so like I said, it feels sort of backwards. It was like, okay, and then, and now this, and then here's an unveiling here. And so what prompted you to get on the plane was the fact that these things were just imploding and exploding. And so what, you just got to a place within yourself where you just knew you needed to like regroup in a drastic way. And you, had you heard of Bali? Cause you did the yoga mm, teacher training, yeah, right? It was, uh, how did you get to, because of, <laughs> for people that are in that right? place mm-hmm. where things are just exploding around them, how did you land in enough clarity to know, to get, to take that trip? Yeah, it was, um. Uh, Ubud um, Yoga Barn was the name of the place. I know that and, place. Yeah, it's very well known now. And three people in a row mentioned it for completely different reasons. Mm. And I caught it, you know, it was in there. 
And I had mentioned several times that this was something I wanted to do, but I had a belief that it was irresponsible, that I needed to get a job first and do all these other things in LA. And then once I had established myself, then I could go do something, air quotes, irresponsible, like go to Bali, because that's how I had categorized it. And I was like, okay, you do these things first. And this is this other kind of like wooey, foofy thing. That, the extracurricular. You know, yeah. Um, that's when you get to take care of yourself, essentially. And then, and there was this moment, actually, there was a breaking point where a childhood friend of mine suddenly passed away from a very fast-moving cancer mm. who was an elementary school friend, you know? So my exact same age, and she had a wife, I mean, a husband and two kids. And it just occurred to me that, like, if that were to happen in, in my life, if I were to get that diagnosis and I had that much time, what are the top three things I would want to do? And, like, mm. Bali was way at the top. Mm. Oh, I, that is so yeah. <laughs> powerful. I just want to take a moment. Mm. Like, what a gift that your friend provided and yeah. her transitioning, like— you attuning to mm. that question really changed the course of your life. It did. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And there was a financial decision around that as well. Like I had, I had just come out as a student and so I, I didn't have a lot of money and I was being displaced all, you know, it was expensive. These things were all money was going out and not coming in. And that's why my linear brain was like, no, you have to put these things order in this in order in this way. But mm -hmm. I got bought out of my second house with like a little bit of money. And that exact amount of money is what it was going to take to go to Bali. And I was like, not going to pay off the few thousand dollars of debt I had just accrued. And I was going to do this instead. And I did it, which for me was utterly life altering to make a decision like for myself, for my own health, mm. for my own well-being um, against that track of like, you you can't take care of yourself until you've taken care of all these things. And where do you think that that mindset, that pattern in your neuro pathways developed? Did you have a lot of pressure growing up to be very academic? Was there like a certain thing that got ingrained in you or? It's interesting because I feel like I felt like I lived a very, air quotes, normal life. Like I was born in Florida. I lived in Virginia for most of my life. My parents are lovely, responsible people. We, you know, I went to public school and I got good grades and that's what I was taught to do. Like be financially responsible, get good grades. It wasn't like anything extreme in uh -huh. that sense, but it was very, there was nothing outside of that. There was no other, other path. Got really. it. That makes sense, which happens to so many of us here in the U.S. We are trained that life is to look a very one particular way. <laughs> and it happened to me too, which is yeah. why I laugh all the time about who I am and what right. I'm doing now. It's very outside of <laughs> what I thought my life would be when I was going to public school and things like that. So, okay. So you're on the mystical plane <laughs> to Bali receiving downloads. Had you landed or were you in the plane when you got the download for the book? I was in the plane. Yeah. And it just, it dropped in. Did you feel it? in your belly, like you just knew it was something you had to do? I don't remember physically. It was, uh, but it was, it was whole body. It was just clear. It was like, you have one thing because actually now that I'm thinking about it, feeling into it, those months of chaos before and they say chaos is the, the place where all possibility exists. Right. But I didn't realize that at the time. So when everything was breaking apart, it was my mind that was racing when my mind was trying to figure out, figure out, figure out, figure out, solve the problem, solve the problem. And then I had made a decision and I was on my way. And I think when my mind could finally get out of the way for a split second, my, my intuition could kick in and my body could kick in. And then my training in Bali was all about slowing the mind or just or not, not even slowing or clearing, but just making space for the intuition to come in to actually feel in, um, in a sensory way mm -hmm. and, and let these downloads and information come in. And also, 
also shed a lot of the numbings. When we talk about just that sort of growing up normal thing, it's like we actually have normalized a lot of numbing, in my opinion. And so, so many of us are energetically sensitive. We have strong intuitions, but we're not listening because our mind is so loud and our bodies are so conditioned to be numb in various ways. What do you think a few of those numbing things are, just so people can listening can maybe be a little more aware? How do I explain this? Because I've gotten to a point where, as you are, you walk into a room and feel energy, right? We can feel energy from other people. We can feel, the when we say the vibe of a room, even that is like, speaks to the fact that we all can, in fact, feel vibes, mm-hmm. right? We all can, in fact, feel. But I feel like we're sort of taught to override that just rationally, where it's like, oh, just, um, no, that's just silly. You know, that's just, let's just not listen to that, to that part. But just the, the regular old gut feeling, you know, from, that's, that's pretty mainstream. Uh, I feel like when we can drop into that sort of thing or a sense of fear um, that we often will override. So, I mean, this is there, there's a long like winding path where we can get into this, um, but this sense of kind of institutionalized ignoring of our own instincts where maybe we are in some kind of danger, there is something going on and we have an intuition, but we're taught to just believe that it's fine, this sort of thing. And then I also had, I had sort of symptoms. I had like my jaw um, is just, it's loosening very much right now, I think because of this moment in my life. And when I came back from Bali seven years ago, it was well, it had cleared, you know, even like recent events, it's sort of something that's sort of old, old and somatic and will come back if I'm under a lot of like stress or duress, I can feel the sort of like clenching to like to to numb, to, to not feel all the things happening. You could I am very clenching. familiar with the jaw yeah. clench. <laughs> I've also in yeah. this up leveling of the last couple of months, I've really been feeling that in my jaw. And so when I go to acupuncture and go to different healing sessions, I'm always making note of that to them so that they can um, pay a lot of attention to that area. Yeah, it's been very pronounced for me. So it is, you know, really interesting and and perhaps for the beautiful soul fam listening to us and what we are sharing, it might, you know, set off a light bulb inside of you where you can feel like a certain area of your body gripping or clenching and going to that, that space and just talking to it. You know, I, 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 it's not just me that has ability, like I'm sh- sharing what I'm about to share because you all can do it too. When I go to that area and ask like, what are you trying to tell me or what do you want me to know? You get an, an instant answer. Right. So, yeah. Um, and then the pathway can just keep opening up from there. But, <laughs> and was Bali where, I feel like I read in your book that at one of the trainings, you had to go in the side of the middle of the circle and mm. like say something about your worth. And yeah. Is that- yeah. It was, I own my power. I honor my healthy boundaries. Mm. And it's interesting that I stumbled on it just now because it's like, I stood in that circle for, I don't know how long. I mean, I think minutes of just bawling. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get those words out of my mouth. Um, And now it's so fascinating to look at my old writings and to look at all of the places where that was true to me. I just had like a, a body reaction too. And, and what's happening uh, just in the, into this incredible up-leveling moment is the way things are going on. I also, um, I've been moving through this legal process that is a big, it's a, it's a big touchy triggering thing. Um, and I just went through 250 pages of my own medical records from 2007 to 2013, which is when I was in graduate school. PhD takes a long time, (laughs) six years. (laughs) And as we're talking about these 
these senses, these things that are happening in our body that maybe we could listen to what was happening. Now that I'm looking at my old medical records in retrospect, I was having all kinds of symptoms that mystery symptoms of all varieties that I was going to Western doctors for not knowing what to do about them and also not getting any diagnoses and not knowing that I could listen to my own body and get an answer. So actually what it turns out, unfortunately, that was happening was I, in retrospect, also realized the relationship I was in was very unhealthy at the time. And I, I didn't fully, there was a lot of healing that I, I have since done around that, but that I didn't realize was fully happening at the time. And then also very unfortunately, the gynecologist that I was going to at the university that I was going to turns out to be a predator. And this is, it's a major legal case. It's all, it came out in 2018. Um, and a lot of what was going on was very subtle and uh, it was around things being done out of order and things like this in a medical setting, things being done in a subtle way that were not appropriate, that were not medically appropriate, but subtle enough where if you didn't know that and didn't have that training, you wouldn't know for sure. And like my body, I can feel it now. I can feel my pelvic floor is clenching mm. because that's the sense. Um, it's like our body will go to protect ourselves because mm -hmm. it knows and it knows that there's a violation even if we don't rationally know mm -hmm. even if we never got that training and never would have our body mm -hmm. stores these things and so this unfolding that's been occurring in the last several months with all the the break apart and then also the truth reveal is incredible i mean it's it's a it's a air quotes coincidence that this is happening and landing in these few months, right? And this actually literally the the going through my own medical records only happened last week. So the week before wow. this recording. And I feel like there was some kind of great, you know, sort of juncture where this is meant to be coming up. I'm meant to be releasing it. I'm having a huge um, sacral opening and release. And and how yeah. is that showing up for you, that sacral opening release? Like if you don't mind sharing a little bit so people can learn to be a little more attuned. Mm. Well, for me, by now I've learned so much about it and shared about it around knowing even what the sacral chakra represents and, yeah. and what these sort of archetypes are. And um, so it's sacred sexuality, money, creativity. And even as I was feeling it into it today, the idea of money in Western culture is very also um, tied up in time and energy and attention. There's a, to me, it feels like gunk around there. It feels mm. like old thought forms, like old things that I don't even believe anymore, but we're still trying to be un, untangled yep. inside of my body system. And so as this truth and clarity came up through these medical records, and I started to share about it online just a little bit on social media, I made a few pretty significant posts, I feel like, that, I mean, literally my sacrum, you know, is moving. <laughs> There's, I can literally feel my um, pelvic floor clench and release. And now I can breathe into it. Mm -hmm. I can speak into it. I can, um, I have so many things. I mean, I can do figure eights with my hips. I can um, use binaural beats and go walking. I can use my own voice and sing and hum to help this work through without um, re-clenching and re-traumatizing, just let it, mm -hmm. letting it up. Basically, I feel like my body system finally knows it's safe enough to let this up and out. Yes. Okay. So that feels like a big key that I want to circle back to, but I am curious, um, and thank you for your willingness to share a bit about this mm. case to the level and degree, of course, that you feel comfortable in this moment, because I know you haven't talked very much about it, um, other than, like you said, a, a, an Instagram post or two, um, and you're just starting to to communicate more about what you experienced. So when did you become aware that um, over the course of those six or seven years where you were going to this doctor that 
this subtle abuse, um, or in some people's cases, maybe it was more than subtle, but when did you start to get that clarity that that was occurring? I didn't, well, so in my body I did. I rationally, I didn't find out until the case broke. And even then I wasn't sure that anything had happened Mm. untowards. I mean, it's interesting. It took years to sit and unpack it. Months at first, it went through waves basically. Because at first I was like, no, I I actually think I somehow, you know. Escaped that. And then if you really sit with us, it's like, Aaron, you were, you went for six years, eight Mm. times to this doctor, right? And the, the evidence of what he was doing in there is overwhelming. And in retrospect, I, I definitely had, it's now quite famous, but lots of women went in there, literally hundreds, if not thousands of women had the intuition that something was off, you know, and, and, and but it wasn't, you couldn't quite put your finger on it. But, but and now I'm like, oh, actually this was quite obvious. Actually, even the setup of the, of the office wasn't appropriate. You know, even um, questions that were being asked, you know, about medical things that it was also was a gynecologist, right? Were way too graphic. Like it was not appropriate in, in a medical sense, these sorts of things. So I, I definitely had that intuition and just let it go somehow because, mm-hmm. because of the habit of trusting institutions and because I don't know why. I don't really have an answer other than- And yeah, also as you were sharing, maybe, yeah, right before we started to record how- you know, at that time you hadn't had your, you know, any spiritual expansions right, or awakenings right. yet. And you, and I, trust me, I get, cause I, I also had my awakening from a dysfunctional, unhealthy relationship. So I know the confusion and just the, can get so lost in, in the suffrage and anguish and turmoil that um, being in those situations can create. So I can understand the fogginess. Right. Right around all of that. And it brings up, it reminded me of how after I had my divine intervention, simultaneous spiritual awakening that got me out of the denial of the Mm -hmm. relationship I was in, it took me a long time. I wish I could say exactly how many years, but like you said, it opened up and things revealed to me in layers that took years around truly what all was going on in that relationship, varying levels of different kinds of abuses and addictions going on. And yeah, I think my soul, because I had been in denial for almost 20 years being with him, when I finally got exploded out of that, yeah, it took time for my soul and my body to be ready to look at that piece Mm -hmm. and then to acknowledge and get really honest and real with myself about that piece. And I remember one of the fascinating ones was that thought of like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm one of those women. Like, Mm. you know, to have that realization that I'm one of the people, women on this earth that get into unhealthy at times, abusive in different ways relationship and that I'm that quote unquote, like kind of person, that was a really big, juicy come to Jesus moment for me, um, which helped me really embody oneness and compassion and empathy. Um, because, you know, it's one of those classic stories of like on paper, mm-hmm. it wouldn't happen to someone like me, right? right. You know, yeah. I've got my shit together. I'm accomplishing right. big things. I'm a smart, mm-hmm. I'm a go-getter. I'm, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. And yet I allowed myself for almost two decades to, you know, it was the teacher and all is divine, but because I had not connected to self-love, honor, worth, respect, and so many other things, 
childhood woundings showing up as codependency, whatever. So yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that because even for me, it's helping me be reminded and reflect back to my own journey and coming into my sovereignty and standing and owning my power and not giving my power away and, and all of the things that go along with all of this. So thank you. Yeah. There's um there's a piece too that comes up as you're speaking where I'm like, some of the specific things that my body was experiencing were things like UTIs, which um the metaphysical ideas that you're pissed, right? So it's in there. Um, and also uh, other vaginal things, so like yeast infections and you know, these um, even like bacterial infections. And then also I was on birth control at the time, which was for me, disconnecting me from moving with my cycles. Yes. And so, and Same. that was, I think I was on birth control for 18 years. And so I didn't get off until I was 34, right before Bali. And and I very similar FYI. Keep yeah. going, but like almost <laughs> the same. And it's and it's incredible. I mean, I've been only been actively working with my menstrual cycle since 2018, mm-hmm. and it is such incredibly powerful magic. And another one of these things of these waves, these unfurlings for me has also been grief and rage, of course. Yeah. So it's like you get one one further down and then it's this incredible, for me, it's been this, oftentimes this, this institutional rage, this like, why is this normalized? Like my case is actually, I think extreme, you know, obviously with the lawsuit and everything and the famous case. But I feel like so many of us are ignoring these subtle things, these things that we think are kind of normal. Even I was having like these allergies constantly that wouldn't go away. And there's um, a metaphysical parallel that's like you're giving your power away. Mm. So I, because I didn't know, I couldn't have, now if I get any kind of symptom or there's anything that comes up, even if I bump my knee, I'm yes, like, same. <laughs> same. I'm like, that's the divine What's feminine side. My divine what feminine is trying to tell me that I, yeah. I know. But literally <laughs> when I went through these medical records this week, it was my entire right side. So very mm. clear, the right, the masculine, the sacred masculine, because it was a relationship and it was this doctor and it was my, it still is my jaw, my right nostril, mm. all the way down the top of my shoulder blade, the middle of my back. And actually that point in my back hurt for years in high school, for years and years, I could never let it go. And now it will soften when I, when I'm more relaxed, but I'm realizing there's still something there. Like mm. that's a deep one. And it goes all the way down. And then in particular hips and pelvic pelvic floor, this feeling of clenching, which also connects directly to the jaw. And this, the jaw is also the truth telling, right? So there's both. There's like the physical protecting of my space, Mm -hmm. but also my inability to speak up for myself and, and the suppression. And so I feel like even though this is an extreme story, there's so much of these subtle normalized things. So back to what you were saying about feeling like you were one of those women or one of those people. I'm like, I actually think our entire Western society is quite traumatized. And with everything that came up in 2020 and the intergenerational trauma, I'm like, that's not actually a secret, you know, There's mm-hmm. at this point, thankfully. And I think that's one of the, the blessings that came from all of this turmoil. It's actually a similar thing. It's a purge. It's an yes. unveiling. It's a revealing. And Absolutely. then comes the grief and the rage. And then our bodies adjust. And then many more of us are w- woken up to our own healing. Yeah, and- the shadow extraction. The yeah. shadow reveal of what was always happening <laughs> yeah. and always there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. And so now I understand why saying that phrase in the center of the circle, because mm. you had just started to give your being, your body, Mm -hmm. your soul permission to enter into these healing waters and really start Mm -hmm. to investigate and explore what there is to face, feel, transcend, whatever. And Bali, oh my gosh, I mean, that place to me also is such a special sacred place in my heart. Like, yeah. 
many ancient lives there. And Mama Bali has just held me and taken such incredible care of me um, every time I go there. And I also got the download from my book in Mm. Bali. I was (laughs) laughing when I read that about you. I was like, oh, we have a lot of parallels. But um, I would love, so now that you've shared a little bit about what was in between the 2013 breakdown moment to mm-hmm. current time with this big lawsuit, okay. um, if you can say again that statement that you said in the middle of that circle. Mm, let me uncross my legs for that. Yeah, I'm going to. So. <laughs> okay. Mm. I own my power. I honor my healthy boundaries. I'm going to say it too. Yeah. I own my power. I honor my healthy boundaries. And if anyone listening wants to say it now too, I'll give you space right now to do it. Woo. Yeah, <laughs> I, felt I felt it too. Ooh, I felt it, and I felt my voice still quiver a little bit. Mm. It's still um, now, though. It's more like I'm I'm moved by power. It's less like oh, I feel so afraid. Yeah, I, I don't believe it's true. It's more like oh, rule. There's <laughs> yeah, there's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh my goodness, thank you. Um, that felt really good yeah. to to come back to. So I'm really loving this voyage we're taking um, <laughs> because I love to hear uh, people's um, journeys like this on the on shamanic spiritual medicine path, whatever, however you refer to it. Um, so you are in Bali doing yoga teacher training, and I would love for you to share some of the other healing, because I, I love this thing that you really talk about in your book about r- taking radical responsibility. Because mm. I also yeah. very much believe in that. And, you know, I like to think I do a good job of that myself and also like to teach about that because truly, you know, if we are someone who wants to see wonderful positive changes happening in the world, and yet one has not yet taken responsibility and even done their own inner work or gone within their own being, we can't expect to make any sort of true lasting positive contribution to the external outside world if we don't take radical responsibility for facing ourselves and um, in shamanism. And I'm not sure what your belief is, but it's my belief that it's impossible for us to get embodied and integrated with our whole divine power as long as we're cutting off from any aspect from ourselves. And that includes the scary stuff and the mm-hmm. darkness and the shadow and the things that we're embarrassed about that we do or, or hold shame around. So with this radical responsibility, how did that start to show up for you in terms of you know, after my awakening, I know I was guided to all these, you know, different kinds of healers and practices and rituals to keep growing. What showed up for you? What kinds of healing uh, did you take radical responsibility for? Mm, thank you. Uh, well, yes. Also still so much of a journey. It's, it's so much about knowing that life isn't happening to us and that nothing is happening to us, which is really interesting in the context of what we were just speaking about. So even in this moment, I don't feel like things happened to me that weren't part of the universe. Um, 
And this is also, this is a pretty tricky conversation. So we'll see how I would feel into it. And it, for me, um, it was my soul calling in my journey and the lessons that were most important for my soul to move through. And they don't make what happened right in any way. That's not the same thing. It's just to clarify that. And learning. So what I, what I needed to learn as well was, was also part of my journey in being able to share it in the future, if this makes sense. So me moving through these as a soul and then healing through them as a soul and then sharing as a soul are all part of my soul's journey. So Mm -hmm. that's complete for me. That feels whole. It doesn't feel like there's something undone or there's something outside of me that's doing anything. And the other beings involved in the story have their own healing paths and journeys as well that are not up to me. So there's that. So there's also that separation of that sense of um, not stepping into anybody else's journey or not being able to do anybody else's work for them. So I think basically what I was sort of speaking around is that like the victim mentality sense or sensibility. I walked into it in this thing called MITT in, uh, in, in LA and it doesn't exist in, in every city, but it was a six month, pretty hardcore personal transformation journey that at that point, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that I even thought of it as spiritual work necessarily. I think I was just starting to, I sort of put yoga teacher training in a spiritual bucket. And then <laughs> this was some other bucket. And um, and I was still, what had happened by this point is the book had called me, teaching yoga had called me, craniosacral therapy had called me, and energy work had called me, which was still butting up against the culture that I was raised in and what I feel like was a larger belief. I still, I had a lot of stuff around like the air quotes, the woo and things, particularly being from academia, I was just frowned upon. and also not just found upon, but really um, pushed away, you know, really, really not allowed. And I do want to actually get into that. I have here in all capitals, culture (laughs) that mocks spirituality. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to, we're going to come back to that. (laughs) It's really, it's deep in there, but that's, that was where I was really taught to, to learn this um, radical responsibility thing where really the, the, the basic concept is like, life is not this other material thing that's outside of us, including the environment is not this other material thing that's happening. Nature is not happening to us. We are of nature. Yeah. And so that sense of, of putting ourselves in the circle, really, it really gets all the way back to owning our power and, and honoring our healthy boundaries is being taking responsibility for ourselves in that circle. So we're not a victim in any moment. We're always here, sovereign. And there's so many pieces to that. I feel like did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a great starting point. And it what brought what it brought up for me was one of the most intriguing things in your book. And you might already know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> By your laugh, I think you might. So I just I could I couldn't escape it. I was like, I need to learn and understand more about this. But when you just knew inside of yourself, there was some I believe a male teacher of some sort, uh, perhaps spiritual teacher that your being just knew that you needed to lean into his teachings. And then I think you resisted <laughs> it for, I don't know how many yeah. months or years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to save, like, I didn't dive into a bunch of research on this. I just got like the, the cliff note dose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I really want to hear from you what that journey was like, because I think it would be a really big service to the soul fam sitting with us that dance of when a certain awareness comes in 
And then, yeah, you know, what was it, months or how long did it take before you actually reached out to him? And if you can explain a little more about um, this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, I'm like, how public am I going to be about this? Because I haven't been. It's in your book, <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, the, well, the person himself and my relationship to him is like, okay, so because I feel like it's not my job to. Yes you know, got it, share everybody's stuff. So, so it's like, okay, how do I tell my story while respecting this person's boundaries as well and their own journey and their own life? Um, (laughs) how long did it take? Let me see. Okay. So I met this person once prior years before, but we reconnected years later. So in 2018 and something magical, like 2017 was a huge opening for me. And then things just started to drop in teacher's guides, programs, all kinds of things. Um, I joined a mastermind, all of these things. And (laughs) this person is just particularly gifted at spotting the things that we're hiding, you know, behind. And mine were clearly, there's a lot of sacral chakra stuff going on, Mm -hmm. a lot of voice stuff going on. Those are really the two big ones. Mm -hmm. So it was really sexuality, sacred sexuality primarily, and also money and creativity. And the voice being like the singing voice for me where Mm. it was, I had been activating for a long time around speaking. So I felt quite comfortable, especially from academia, being in seminars and things like this and teaching, uh, feeling eloquent, but singing nothing like zero coming through. And so I was in this, this ceremony where I was invited to sing and even make any noise, not just sing, like do I, I teach yoga and I would only sometimes guide the ohm because I was so uncomfortable with my own voice. And, and as I know now, I mean, the voice is central, vibration is central and sound is central to our own healing within our own body and, and to share with each other. And it's, and it's our sacred vibration that we can share. And it's so, so, so such healing for the planet too, yeah. you know, in yeah. a lot of traditions and cultures, the sa- the songs of the prayers, yeah. you know, the sacred spiritual payments back to <laughs> Gaia and things like that. Yeah. Um, so those two pieces for me went together. And so this journey of, I would say 2018 until about now, so it's at four years, something like this. It took me, my resistance to taking steps in sexuality took me about a year between zero steps to one step. (laughs) And then I started to take some big steps. I I would have a big breakthrough. Um, I would cross paths with this person again. Um, the thing was, I really, I was hiding so well and I could hide from most people. So the thing about this nexus with this one human was that he could just see it all, you know? Mm. (laughs) And I knew when I was invited by him somewhere, I was like, oh no, like I'm going to have to, because at the time, still the things with our most resistance, I was still putting the brakes on. I was Mm. still like, oh no, I'll just, I'll just go this way. (laughs) We'll we'll get to that later. It'll be fine. fine. (laughs) Don't mind this part of my healing. (laughs) But I did in these years have just accelerated. You know, I've started to hurl myself when I'm, when I'm particularly terrified of something, I know that's where the good stuff is. And so I've had these massive, incredibly beautiful um, sexual healing openings and vocal healing openings over the last four years. So it's been, I mean, the gifts, the gifts just from that one person, the gifts from my own courage and being willing to step into those spaces and also, and also being willing to step into those spaces and let go of everybody else's triggers around them as well. Really, really again, own my power and honor my healthy boundaries, put myself in the middle, take radical responsibility and choose my path because it's not, it's, I mean, it's inner circle, but it's also greater society. I mean, there's yes. stuff in the book that big parts of society are, would quite possibly frown upon, you know, lots of stuff in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, no, it's huge medicine because uh, this particular part that we're talking about, 
Luke and I were in the car, so we had your audiobook playing. And I remember I was the one driving and I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, what, what, what's happening right now? Wait, this book took a turn. What are we talking about? And even, you know, sitting with Luke and like he and I, I mean, got a dose of how we are together. Like it's just so at ease and just mm. so such just pure love. You know, we can both be totally ourselves with each other, but there was even a little bit of me where I was like, I felt myself like squirm a little bit, <laughs> totally. you know? And I was like, oh, 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 oh how, how, do, how, how am I feeling about, how's he feeling about this? Wait, how are we feeling about this? You totally. know, because it's, yeah. from what I understand is, and, and again, I totally get like, we don't need to go into like detail, detail, but you were presented with a scenario where you were given three options <laughs> and these three <laughs> options yeah. are, I mean, <laughs> I think to the vast majority of the population, they're pretty daunting options to right. know you have to pick one of those three. <laughs> and the one of them, and they were all around sacred sexuality, sensuality, and I remember the one, I know the one you picked, but what were the two, if you can just help me out here, <laughs> yeah. what were the two other options here? <laughs> I love this story. It's so silly. Yeah. Um, it was threesome, orgy, and dominatrix. And I had 24 hours to decide. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Then it went into game, like game show talk. So like, silly. You have 24 hours I mean, to decide. It, he like hung up. It was really funny. I mean, it was really <laughs> So comedy, threesome, dominatrix, mm. or orgy. You have uh -huh. 24 hours to decide. Phone clicks, hangs up. <laughs> You're left with yourself with these three options. I'm dying to know, like, <laughs> were you laughing like this? No, I was cry. I was, no, I was more, I was horrified. I was like mortified, horrified. What I found, I guess I'm laughing because there's a whole sexual empowerment community, right? That these things are not daunting to at all. Absolutely. And now I've crossed over and I live over there. <laughs> so like I just did a podcast called Clit Talk, which is incredible. And they go on and they talk about all of the things Amazing. without blinking, you yeah. know? And so I'm actually really grateful to be reminded of how triggering this subject matter is to, I mean, I thought I was pretty open, right? I, and I felt like I had a great sex life. I wasn't feeling like I was shut down sexually. And then I realized like I was just, I was shaking mm -hmm. once again, a sacral, like pelvic floor clenching, shaking, and just flooded with ideas of various ways that, it, that I would be harmed or something or that harm would be done. Trying to get out of it or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like any... <laughs> it's like, have you seen a cat like back all the way up to something? Yeah. Like full body, like both feet on brakes. Like, yeah. And I was on the floor. It's literally in my own apartment, just, just on the floor weeping. And I didn't call it. There were like 59 seconds left when I called him. <laughs> he was like, you just made it. Oh. Like, I, just, I knew I couldn't back out. You know, I knew I had called him in. I knew I had called this in. Yes. I pulled every tarot card a hundred thousand times, you know, to like confirm and, right. and I just, I knew everything in me knew it was like, you take, you've got to take a leap. You've got to do it. And, and I'm just curious too, if you're comfortable letting us know, yeah. like, cause I, I mean, I love how this is informing me and teaching me because as you're sharing, and I think even, you know, maybe when we're done this interview, like, I actually want to sit in that space. If I were given those three options, I want to feel into those right. three options. Yeah. I want to see like, where do I go with each of yeah. those options? So yes. there's such teaching and, and medicine in this. How did you decide to go with option number three, the orgy? <laughs> because, you know, it's like, I don't yeah. know, was there, I mean, because you did share what was really beautiful for me that you shared about was 
when this actually took place and you could hear the sacred sounds, sensual sounds Mm. echoing from different women in that space that you all shared, I thought, wow, I've never heard that. Yeah. And I bet that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. My mind had never even wondered what would it sound like if I'm in a room with, you know, I don't know how many people were there, but let's say like, I don't know, 15 people total and, Mm -hmm. you know, at least half are women. If I heard simultaneously Mm -hmm. seven or eight women enraptured and their divine femininity and, or maybe even masculinity and tapped into their, their sensuality and expressing it audibly I'm kind of curious what that sounds yeah. like. And you got the experience. It's phenomenal. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, also, I had never, it, that had never occurred to me either. And that was part of the lesson. I was like, wait, I haven't even considered this. You know, it, I went from never considering to being horrified and, you know, this. The first step I took was just to start talking about it. So, like, literally the next day, once I made the decision, also, I felt in my body a full body yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And how I decided on orgy, I can't exactly remember. There, Oh, well, actually, because it's taken me longer. The threesome, I had bigger fears around like jealousy with one individual person. And dominatrix has been a really interesting journey because that's my sacred masculine and initiatory energy. So I also learned in the last several years that I, I apparently I never was initiating with men mm. and or anybody. And didn't know how to do it. I literally, I, I got to this point where I was like, I'm, I want to, I don't have any practice. I've gone mm-hmm. my entire life um, never building this skill because it's always gone the other way, which again, once one crosses over into the sexual empowerment world, there's so much. I mean, there's so many opportunities and ways and everybody's playing in both ways all in, in like the different energies mm. all the time. And this is actually a great point about the masculine and the feminine energies where it's their energies. They're non-binary. Mm-hmm. They're not gendered. And within ourselves, it's about integrating it within ourselves and then playing with each other. We can only play with each other when we've integrated it within ourselves. So that's how the evolution came about. And the there are the scenes in the book where I, I, I go to ecstatic dance or something. This is pre-COVID. I tell my friends because my friend happened to be there. I didn't know. And I was like, I, I'm going, going to go to an orgy. I didn't know what orgy. Like, when. <laughs> and she was like, oh. And she started introducing me as Aaron, who's starting an orgy. <laughs> so everybody, and then everybody wanted to come. Like random people were like, ooh, I want to come to your orgy. <laughs> like, oh God, oh God, okay, I don't know what, you know. Yeah. And then, so I <laughs> never ended up organizing my own orgy. I did get some people's numbers. But, <laughs> but what I did actually is I planted the seed with the right person mm-hmm. uh, who turned out to be a different person. She uh, was much deeper in the community, mm. also a medicine woman, had experience in, in the ways yeah. and, and heard me at some point. So when it came time, I was invited, also totally top secret in terms of what I can share to protect everybody else. But in general, people know these things exist. And it just, it was um, the one that I was invited to. I knew that it was held impeccably. I Uh knew the people that were running it. I knew the intentionality that went into it. I knew the energy around it and even, you know, up to the guest list and just all of it. And I was like, I just hit the jackpot. I just got goosebumps. I'm like, I just was incredibly fortunate and spirit opened the door because I did. And I went there 
terrified. My body was shaking the whole time as I was going, you know, driving. I think I'd probably be the same. It was terrifying. But I actually bumped into two people that I knew that I kind of knew within the community, I was going to know somebody. And I was like, that's going to be really interesting. They were both male and we chatted and they were like, they were terrified too. And I was so relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. I don't know what idea. At every juncture, there were thought forms in there that mm. got to be exposed very quickly. I'm like, oh, I do. There is a thought form in there, isn't there? And apparently, I thought the men would all be like super stoked and yeah. confident. Like, no, they were every, they were shaking like leaves too. And so it was like, oh, we're all okay. We're all new here. All and, in this together. And the way it was held as well was so intentional that a lot of the people were new. And so it was held for new people. And we did exercises and we did breath work and we set intentions and we got to know each other and we got some like instructions that were helpful, which I don't know that every gathering is like that. So I it, think there's a whole spectrum of types of gatherings yeah, to be mindful, sure. right? If if one is going to do this, maybe not, you know, just go to a random one in Hollywood. Like maybe just, maybe do you feel into where you're going? But there I guess what I'm saying is there are ways it can be done beautifully. And yeah. I, I was very fortunate to have an exquisite experience. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. To to button this this incredible story up. Let's see. And so I guess did that experience allow you, well, I guess I already know the answer to this. It, it ha- seems to have allowed you to keep expanding and exploring mm-hmm. and, and opening the sensuality and sexuality yeah. components of you up. Yeah, absolutely. It, in that night, I just, I felt so radiant. I felt so whole and alive. It was mm. really astounding. And something in me reintegrated. Something Mm. came back. And I then was able to, I took the dominatrix thing to an ex who became a lover of mine and uh, said, I am working on this masculine energy. Like I'm now recognizing that I literally have no practice. And because he was an ex, we have this incredible, sweet relationship. I was able to practice stuff and it was funny a lot. <laughs> I was Amazing. bad at it, you know. It was like, <laughs> this really safe space and and really fun to share this thing. And and then I, you know, grew in, in a lot of ways. And he also healed and grew in a lot of ways in that. And then we were able to share the threesome together because <laughs> Go figure. I mean, who <laughs> because knew? Because we had done so much um, right. intentional healing work and in trusting it. Trusting each other. I think that's the thing is all it's all the energy, of course. It's all the intentionality put into it. Mm. It's and all of the communication that goes with, okay, where are our edges? Like where do we feel? Where are we bumping into something? And if and if there's trauma there or something, you stop. You know, I think some of that fear was like, oh, if I'm gonna go into this, I'm just gonna, I don't know, like b- blow through this wall and do harm to myself. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that I that that isn't the case at all. And there there is a community. There's education, there are coaches, there's so much safely held space out there mm-hmm. to step into this gently and then and then reflect and then play. And just see what keeps yeah. coming your way. <laughs> you never know. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your willingness to go into that space a thank bit. You for asking. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't had a guest on yet that I could go into those waters with. And I was like, oh, this feels really right to be able to do this with you. So thank you for your willingness. So I think now feels like a good time to Yeah, it does feel related. In your studies, in your years of of getting that PhD, you also somewhat unexpectedly started to learn about like the ancient goddesses. Mm, and, And I want you to be able to like share with us how that 
got woven in during your PhD time and how it really relates and pertains to now in terms of reclaiming reclamation of power and things like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So the my bumping into goddess history actually didn't occur until in the book somewhere. So post-PhD, but it related to private property, which is really interesting. Wow. Uh, and I, one of my gifts is connecting dots that like very dots that people are like, excuse me, what? Like, how is this and this go together? Because I was doing straight like soil science, climate yes. change when I started. And that's um, that's what I brought to Bali as like in my head. I was like, okay, what do I do about this soil thing and this climate crisis? Like and somehow it brought me to an orgy, right? So really, <laughs> yeah, like, what the? you became and a so- yoga teacher and started going to orgies. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and that connection really is the great mother. Like there is one <laughs> foundational piece here and it's her, you know, and it's the, the metaphor, the divine feminine metaphor as the great mother, but also the womb. So mm. the womb as great mother. So quickly, the way I described it is like you, you part the soil, right? And you plant the seed and you cover the soil and life gestates under the soil in the dark and then life is born. And so the soil itself is the womb. Like that's essentially the same thing as the great mother metaphor. And she's highly sexual. She's the great mother. All of nature is sexual. It's the nature of nature, right? It's mm. reproduction. And so this is where the stuff starts to weave. I'm, I, I was writing about soil health and climate change and then discovered the divine feminine metaphor and was like, oh, because I was doing yin yoga, which is all divine feminine. And I was trying to strengthen that to help unwind my body from all the academic tension and Mm. all of these things. And it started to weave into that sense of being interconnected with nature. And then I hit this impasse at some point. And a friend of mine was like, have you ever heard of goddess history? And I was like, this was my witchy friend, you know? And I was like, no, I, what? <laughs> what? And then I started to look into, she directed me to Vicki Noble and Shakti Woman book and, um, a, and her tarot deck. I think it's Mother Peace. I believe those are all together were my first introduction into this connection. And somewhere in there, the private property piece, I just felt it in my body. I was like, this has something to do with private property. And I don't know why. And as I went years down the line, I found out through mostly astrology is where a lot of the good goddess history is that's more untouched because a lot of it has been suppressed. It's suppressed history for lots of reasons. And this is where we get into like private property and oppression and how all of these things go together. And this institutionalized sort of like suppression of our magic is what I feel like mm-hmm. is happening. And and all the insidious ways that it gets in, it's this where around 5,000 years ago or so, the great goddess, the great mother was named and I name her in all of her different forms or many of her different forms in the book, but all over the world, earth-based spirituality, indigenous cultures of every kind all over the world. It's so interesting that there's something in common. It's not like all these different ideas. It's, there's just, there's this one relationship with mother Gaia or what, whatever your culture's name calls her. That was what I finally realized. And so I was like, oh my God, the soil and the divine feminine and the great mother, the original great mother. When I talk about patriarchy and we can get more into that conversation, there was this essentially this like patriarchal takeover at some point. And the the literal myths, the great mother myths started to get deconstructed and pulled apart. And she started mm-hmm. to get 
harmed and she started to get um, obscured and she started to get other characters written into her story. Like we have Zeus Hera that I talk about in the book and where Hera was a triple moon goddess. She was the great mother unto herself. And then somebody wrote Zeus in there as a shape-shifting rapist. And so we have a shape-shifting rapist as the great, air quotes, great father at the base of Western culture in post-Hellenic Greece. Mm. And so... um, and that to me, I, I realized when this all came through, I was like, oh, this is this is not surprising because what I feel like it's back to a more indigenous notion that consciousness is ultimately shaped by origin stories. And our, or, our origin stories are everything, which is mm. why there is a great mother, great creatrix and great father story. And when we start to write in these other characters that are nefarious, we end up with a nefarious experience, a, a nefarious culture and experience, uh, you know, lived experience. That's so interesting. And so, so, so many things. That's a lot of There were like 50 things coming in as you were saying. I'm like, wait, (laughs) keep up with, uh." I want to take a moment to thank Star Animal Sunday's Power Animal Fine Jewelry for making this episode possible. You all know my deep reverence for the power animal world. I even wrote a book on it. And this eco-friendly brand promotes the preservation of animal habitats. It features 19 different power animals, and it is all created from repurposed gold and ethically sourced diamonds. I have talisman pieces, necklaces, bracelets, and rings featuring the deer, horse, hummingbird, and flamingo. And they can also custom create your power animal by request, and each piece is blessed by a shaman. And you may have seen this jewelry featured in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, on Halle Berry, Naomi Watts, Selma Blair, the list goes on and on. And I truly adore and respect Star Animal Sundays so much. So if you are feeling the draw to explore the power animal world with them, you can use the code STARPOWER at checkout and you'll get three complimentary meditation candles valued at $80 with your purchase. Most importantly, 25% of sales that come from using the code STARPOWER at checkout go to the Javari Project's Alternative Livelihoods Program. The Javari Project is a registered for-purpose organization working with a coalition of partners such as cultural sanctuaries and indigenous communities, one of which is one of the most pristine biodiverse areas in the world that has an unparalleled diversity of plants and animals and is home to the highest number of remote, uncontacted indigenous peoples known today. The Javari Project and Cultural Sanctuaries identify and evaluate the current threats to the cultural and environmental assets of the Javari region in order to sustainably support their territorial rights, protect their livelihoods, and preserve their habitat. So I highly urge you to please support these incredible causes. They're very near and dear to my heart. So you can make an impact as well as connect with your animal power by visiting www.staranimalsundays.com. That's www.staranimalsundays.com and use code STARPOWER at checkout. So as the deconstruction was happening around the true, pure truths of, of Great Mother Gaia, Pachamama, Great Mother Earth, 
as things were deconstructing around uh, the truths of her and then these other characters were being put in, I guess I can understand then how, you know, just the lack of reverence and Mm -hmm. sacred reciprocity and relating and the ability to connect to the exact planet that Mm -hmm. we were such a miracle to pop out and incarnate on this being, this entity that is housing us and providing all that is for us. Like throughout the years, there's just, especially over here in the U.S. for so many people, there's just a complete disconnect. There's so many people, and I don't say this from a place of judgment, it's just uh, an observation and I at one point was like this as well. And I'm, and I'm very fortunate and, and honored to have grown exponentially in this way. But so many people don't even talk to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people they don't, don't even acknowledge her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, she's the cycles also. So this plant metaphor, right? This birth metaphor is made in Mother Crone. It's the cycles of the moon as well. And it's basically a story that says all of nature moves in cycles. And in that case, then that's also our weird death blind spot. So it's like, and even birth, because that's where the mystery lives, right? When right. We, when we live in honor and reverence and reciprocity, we're, we're moving with the cycles of nature. So it even gets back to the menstrual cycle that neither of us was working with before when we lived in, in the disconnected place, because these things were all taken apart. I mean, we it, we get into witch hunts and this sort of thing. So there's literal violence. And that's where it gets back to private property as well, is that in those original rewrites, the reason they were rewritten was because, I'm going to say the ego took over in this like thing of separation with the idea that we can own people or land. And the truth is, even the word land, like we can't, there is no such thing. There's literally no such thing as private property. And this is my, like, this is also at the core where the great mother, like, if you think that she's private property, you're not going to talk to her. <laughs> you mm. know, It's the only way to, to disassociate is to disassociate with each other, with the land, with the cycles of nature, really with the truth of all things. But the funny thing is the truth is so obvious, right? Like when, when you can like get out of all of that conditioning, step back, it's like, I mean, you're looking at me with eyes wide open, like they don't even talk to her. I'm like, I know, <laughs> like I know, I talk to the trees. But it's like this, back to the shaming and all of this, it's like talking to trees, like you'll get called crazy, right? Because we have mm-hmm. about 5,000 years of violence to back up all of the different ways that these stories have been reinforced by violence. And it literally, it leads directly into slavery, it leads to, directly into genocide and the harm of indigenous peoples all over the world. It's the literal disconnect with the great mother and with literal women, like missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Mm. It's like, to me, I'm like, that's the most obvious connection there is. It's, it's right there. It's like suppressed by violence. So what are a couple of ways, if this is the missing yet right in front of our face key, <laughs> what are at least three practices, rituals, ways that people, that you can recommend to people to get back into the soil, get back into mm. connection with Great Mother Earth? It can be anything. Yeah, thank you. I mean, the one I, the simplest one I always talk about, we're both sitting here with bare feet, like take off your shoes and go put your feet on the soil. And it seems like 
maybe trite or redundant for people already in sort of spiritual community, but even I find people still don't do it necessarily mm -hmm. unless they're really in practice. And there's a whole conversation about the electricity of the body and the actual like electromagnetic situation. But for me, it's like just find that sensory connection with your feet on the bare earth for at least, even if it's 60 seconds a day, Yeah, that will have a huge effect on your life. And then part two of that is just take three breaths, you know? And I find like in the last wild three months or so, I literally had to take my own medicine. I had to stop and take three breaths because I was moving so fast and I was doing so many things and I was caretaking and all of this. So many people are moving that fast all the time. Mm. So I think those, and then again, it's, it seems so simple. Well, I'll do two in a row. The next one would be like, find, find the woods or find some place for me is sometimes it's Joshua tree. So it's kind of the opposite of the woods, but it's an intact wild place where I find the energy there's something about the fact that it hasn't been disrupted mm. by humans in all of these ways where I can really go and commune, find a place like that. The soil in the woods, though, is particularly spectacular for just stopping and listening. And then as a really practical one, it's compost, where it's like when we take our, um, our what we call food scraps, we're really just giving organic matter back to Mother Earth. And that, to me, completes the cycle. We receive and then we give back. Mm. And that's also how you literally take care of the soil, um, which we haven't gone too much into that part of the story. But yeah. I know. I know. I'm like going it's in so all these much. <laughs> spiritual we will, we will. It's perfect. But while we're still in this orb, I do... I do want to talk a little bit about what you do have in your book and what we've touched on just a tiny bit that I wanted to circle back to is how we got to this place of being in a culture that really does tend to mock spirituality. And um, I'm sure that the suppression of of the witch and the shaman and, you know, all these goddesses and deities is definitely, um, you know, a huge part of that. But it is fascinating. And, you know, what comes up for me is before I had my awakening, I was a radio and television host and also a producer in, in the TV world for a long time in New York City. And I, so I know that world. Yeah. And I know I was a producer. And so I, I know how it, that works to, to get what you want to create a quote unquote successful TV show. And you know, throughout the years, I have had various development meetings mm -hmm. with other producers and teams um, around possible spiritual-based TV shows. And nothing has ever come into alignment. And I know so far, and, you know, who knows, whatever, but I know a lot of it is due to my energetics of my hesitancy of how they're going to twist, frame, portray me as a woman in my freaking divine power owning who I am as a female shaman mm -hmm. and, you know, the rituals I do, the way that I talk to the trees yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. It's like, and I know the producer's brain. Right. And so every time I'm in those meetings, it's like, I'm asking all these questions and I can tell, well, this is one story that I make up in my mind is I'm not going to give them what they want because they know I'm going to be watching from mm -hmm. all these different parameters and right. wanting to know, like, how are you positioning me? Right. Right. Because, and that fear comes from this thing, this bigger topic that I want mm -hmm. us to get into is the, this culture for some reason mocks spirituality. Right, right. 
what is up with that? It's so annoying. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I, I just want to honor the work that you're doing. I mean, when, when I came in contact with it, I was like, ah, look at her owning it. Like, that is so, thank goodness, and it's so needed. I think that's a huge piece, is, is us owning our power and just stepping forward with the truth and bringing this, this fierceness that's like, this is actually really obvious. This isn't it's actually, this isn't that complicated. It's the opposite of complicated. It's so <laughs> and simple. It's, and it's everywhere, and it's what humans have been doing for all of time. It's ever since all the of first time. little sprout of a, <laughs> exactly. of a germinating thing sprouted. Like, yeah. it is all of our birthright to understand Earth and Great Spirit, which yeah. is shamanism. Uh, anyway. Totally, yeah. And I think, so really, I think the answer is simple also. It's just the ego. And I, I think mm. it's like... This funny, weird thing about going back 5,000 years, because I also, time is nonlinear, so it's strange, right? And also, histories are suppressed in, in, in a linear sense. They're suppressed. And so you can't go back and be like, see, this guy is the bad guy and this other thing happened. Right. So I really think whatever we call air quotes patriarchy is the ego externalized into sort of an overculture. Okay. And the ego's job is to kick. The ego's job when it's a like, mm. when it's in that fear space mm-hmm. is to push back, particularly on spirit. And it'll do anything. And so my sense is like and this is, this might be tricky, but organized religion, I think the ego will slip in and even get itself into or maybe often get itself into spirituality itself and be like, oh, hey, look, it's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how spirituality works. And somehow you still get like a hierarchical middleman, mm-hmm. top down kind of thing. You, and then you get and then you get sexism and abuse. And, and you're doing this wrong. Things, and you're doing this right. And, and wrong rules. separation. Like. And so that's what the ego does. So it just sneaks in and does this thing. Huh. So when we're dealing with individuals, we're dealing with that one individual, but also the overculture that's affecting their own fear. And then all of us bouncing off each other because the overculture is still, in this moment, louder, um, I feel like. But that's why we're called to do this work, mm-hmm. as, especially as vocally, as with the, the throat healing and everything. When I talk about that witch wound, it's because if we don't, if we don't share it, if we don't own that power, then that thing can keep going on the way that it has. Mm-hmm. But it can't really because it's also not how nature works. And also the ego is part of nature <laughs> Exactly. So the allness of all it is, it's all perfect. It's the all. I know. I know. It's such a rabbit hole, but it's the best one. It's amazing. I know. That is, that's the best piece where also, uh, actually I'm going to veer a little bit, but there's a lot of people, I think, speaking into the sense of like a war or like a, even a spiritual war. Like, and I feel really, I, I don't align with the, like feeding the war metaphor, because again, I feel like stories, narrative metaphor actually shape consciousness. And so it's part of it. We actually end up just feeding the ego again in another way unintentionally. And so I think recognizing that even if there are true bad actors who are individuals doing all kinds of horrible things, which there are, that's still fear in the ego within them, within the overculture, and then with what they're perpetuating. So they're still the mother. They're still right. Mother nature. So I think that's actually the great task of our time is somehow integrating that because it's, it's a doozy, you know? Mm, I'm just kind of sitting with what you just said for a second, seeing if anything comes up one second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only little sliver uh, I'll say around it is um because yeah that is a very intriguing piece to learn because it's yeah it's so nuanced and there's so much to it but yes to learn how to be in the way that you feel divinely designed to be and if at your heart and the core of your soul the way you feel divinely designed to be is of unconditional love and Mm. 
and compassion and oneness to learn how to, yeah, be in that space and permeate that and, and hold, hold that line and, and be a giver of that, even in the, in the face of being integrated with sometimes the polar opposite of that. Yeah, that's, it's a really intriguing one, but I'm glad we touched on that a bit because I, I don't think I've talked about that specifically yet on Ceremony Circle, you know, how, yeah, how media portrays, you know, and this is, oh my God, I have to, <laughs> have you watched, I was so disappointed. So the last flight Luke and I took, oh, we went to Indiana for him to meet my family for the first time. And this was just recently. And I was so excited when we got on the plane because there was a witch movie. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, you know, duh, I'm going to watch <laughs> that. And um, it had Anne Hathaway in mm-hmm. it. Ha- have you seen that? I have I don't watch much. So, well, I was like, Anne, come on, Anne. <laughs> Anne, why, why are you playing into this? I was so, oh, no. I forget the name of this witch movie, but like it's playing on the airplanes and it has, you know, A-list people in it. And it literally, I mean, it portrayed the witches. They're bald, they're oozing, their their heads have sores. <laughs> they don't even have oh, like fingers or something. Mm-hmm. They don't even have toes. They're like these just decrepit, oozing, not even full human beings. Wow. And yeah. all and they're all women mm-hmm. and they're all witches. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys, why yeah. did you sign the contract if you read the script? And like, this is how yeah. still in 2021 or what? Yeah, we're in 2021, whatever year yeah, this right? is, <laughs> that we're still letting ourselves be portrayed in this way by yeah. being witches and having normal spiritual gifts opened up inside of us. Right. Right. Yeah. So I just, this topic is one we can shift in a second, but I just, <laughs> I wanted to talk it out a little yeah. bit because I'm so tired of it. And I'm not trying to shame Anne Hathaway. I don't know her or any of the other actors that decided to sign Mm. the contract to play these roles. But it's like, I just, I'm really excited for the day when whether it's documentaries, reality TV, or big budget Hollywood movies, can we just not portray shamans and witches and high priestesses and goddesses in like these bizarre Right. Untrue ways. Right. Yeah. Can we get over that? (laughs) It's about time. I think a few things come to mind. One is the Lilith rewrite. So all the way back to Adam and Eve, Lilith, and we're talking about like stories, narrative, and, and what you're speaking to is modern narrative, right? And so that's, it's still there, obviously, that uh, Lilith was, they, Lilith and Adam, like Lilith was Adam's first wife and they were made of the same earth. And then, I don't know if you know this whole backstory. A but little she bit. Was, she was, she was expelled from the garden for not being subservient to Adam sexually, but she had a choice. She was given the choice to, I believe, have a thousand babies a day and, and watch them all die or be subservient to Adam. And she chose not to be subservient. So she's, she's actually a model of sovereignty, right? Of, of actually making her own choice. And in this story, there's like a male God guy in the sky already. So, mm. so there's a problem here, right? And then they write Eve in who's made of, of the rib. And so they write a subservient woman into the story. And even today, it, apparently in Christianity, people are wearing a wrist 
band that has Lilith's name on it to keep her out of the air quotes holy union, even though they were the original union made of the same earth. And so it's a re it's a rewrite. It's a literal, and she got written as um, a demon hag that she eats babies that like, yeah, she, she comes in and kills unseen babies and all of this. So like, one of the original witches is Lilith and she's she's one of mm. my my people <laughs> mm. and she's also portrayed as pissed off and like vengeful Scorned. and yeah and she actually in, in my understanding she oversees the land of unborn children and she she actually mm. caretaker. is a caretaker mm. and so i think what's really important and i just got goosebumps from you having been in the field is rewriting, reclaiming some of these characters is incredibly important because we've just lost track. Like we obviously forgot about the dismantled great mother in the first place, but witches also in there. It's actually been, um, there's a beautiful book called Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman. And she dissects the, the witch, the evolution of the witch in Hollywood. And it, it goes through these iterations where um, it's used as a derogatory term and then it's reclaimed in another way and then it, and it becomes feminine power and mm. then it gets used again. And so there's this sort of this cycle but there's something about that, and I would say just it, it's our work. There's there's a grassroots yeah. Um, yeah. thing I think where, as we gain strength in this sort of way where they probably don't see coming, you yes. know, um, it, it just what happens when people pick up my book that I feel like is so beautiful. It act for people who get it and connect with it, it activates the heck out of them like it really that they start getting their grief and rage up and they they're like so important moving that and then it affects their work and i think that's that's how we're going to do it oh my gosh yeah i in the last little thing that i'll just button this up with um from my end is you know i've been aware almost out of the gate after i had my awakening and then devoted to <laughs> healing yeah. and like I was like, whoa, whoa uh, none of this was, I am not who it was. <laughs> um, so in total devotion to the work, the truth of the shaman in me came on online, on board and activated somewhat quickly. And in that process of awareness of who I really am and who we all really are at the core of our beings, I also pretty fast out of the gate became aware of the divine design in which I am a teacher of these remembrances because of because of the way for hundreds or thousands of years, well, especially hundreds of years since media has existed, the way that shamans have been presented, whether they're sensationalized or only shown as men sitting in a jungle. Right. It's like, that is a big part of my medicine yeah. is I am from a tiny town in the Midwest that had one stoplight. I'm a woman. I'm from what I understand. I don't fully know my heritage, but from what I do understand, it's predominantly Caucasian European. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm somewhat attractive and, you know, where like today I'm wearing like sweats and tomorrow I might wear, I don't know, I might wear a Gucci dress tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I like sometimes to wear fake eyelashes. And, um, I do really like this diamond ring that Luke gave me and I, and I love, I to, love it. to wear it. Thank <laughs> you. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, these are examples, but a, a lot of times my teaching for those willing, it busts them out of boxes mm -hmm. that 
women like us, shamans like me have been put in. And I expand people out of this tiny little box of what they think a shaman quote unquote should look like, Mm -hmm. should act like is because I am outside of almost all of those parameters from what we have been conditioned to think a shaman is over the last right. however many hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it, so I'm just thanking you basically <laughs> in saying it the way that you did of us standing in the truths that we know we are to stand in and, and being in that space, holding that space mm. and reclaiming yeah. the truths. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you. I'm like, oof, your medicine is such good medicine for me as well. So it's really, it's empowering. And what came to me as you were speaking was like, we're weaving, you know, my academic background, your TV producing background, these, the sense that I've been getting. And I, and I also, I haven't been speaking that publicly about it because to me, it's a tricky topic for, mm-hmm. the, for all of the reasons aforementioned. And I feel like our gifts arise and we incarnate. And then at some point we we know it's time to to roll to like do our job, do our work and honor all of these things. And, and we bring with it, like I bring with it academia, you know, I bring with it my experience. I bring with it the relationships that we've had in the past and how did we get through it? I think uh, that it feels like that's, that's our incarnation. That's how it works, you know, and it's a big job, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. especially because of all of this. So it feels really good to, to bring it up and out, you know, me. Yes, yeah. me too. So I'm going <laughs> to, oh, <yeah. laughs> high five (laughs) like you know let's we're gonna keep doing it because it's really the only way like sometimes people do ask me like wow your boldness your fearlessness Mm and I I guess sometimes I do you know I do understand a little bit what what they're saying and and I do feel those essences inside of my fibers but I'm just living my truth and I'm right. just living by the calls that God, goddess, great spirit, great mother earth are instructing me to. I'm just living my divine instructions. Um, and I, and there's no other choice. Uh, you know, when people say like, how have you kept going or how do you do this work so publicly? I get asked that a lot, you know? Um, and I'm like, I feel like I have no choice but to continue holding the line. Yeah. What else am I going to do? Right. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been tempted to go live, find a cave totally. to live in because yeah. sometimes that does feel a lot easier. Yeah. Yep. But my, I feel like my only option is forward holding the line. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We get to a certain place too where it's, it's just clear. I mean, I tried to, I didn't try to, but I felt like I must quit at some, at every juncture yeah. for seven years. Yeah. I, like, I must stop. And, like, it just, and it just wouldn't, it, spirit would just reconnect me back in. And I've been learning just in the last few weeks, even really the last few weeks with this activation, with this sacral clearing, I have done some things that were great leaps that took a lot of courage standing up to people, really speaking my truth in the face of disagreements and things where in places where I've never done it before. Mm. And I have, I found some disjuncture, but then also like a wild soft landing where I'm like, whoa, I was anticipating so much more, but really the leap itself was all that I needed to take. And it's up to me to not imagine blowback or imagine things out there. Still, that's, this is all it's all part of the work and all part of our own work and then sharing it. Absolutely. So yeah, you're a perfect person to share in this with. So thank you. So I know I took us into like, you know, of course it's ceremony circle. So I'm like, oh, we've got to talk about, you know, all the things, orgies and, you know, like there's all the spiritual stuff and the goddesses, but there's yeah. so much else in your book. So I would just want to invite you at this time 
to share whatever teachings <laughs> and and perhaps because we've stayed more in the spiritual lane if there are more like tangible earth soil based things that you want us to know about the land and and how to take care of her like anything that's on your heart that mm. we have not covered yet thank you sometimes i just flip to a page yeah so like, go for actually it i do that often yeah. so let's see what the book wants to share mm-hmm. um Ah, perfect. It's the carbon cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, Teach me. So, so there's a picture here. I don't know if if anyone can see it on audio. Obviously, you can't see it, but um, okay. I'll just read. We hear that the carbon cycle is the building block of life, but most of us have no idea what that means. Our lack of understanding is actually not terribly surprising, as carbon is almost incomprehensibly small, not stuff most of us think about every day. Carbon is one of the most basic and mundane things around, and also one of the most miraculous. The stuff of charcoal was originally born from stars, and it cruises around the earth, atmosphere, and oceans, going wherever it is sent. Right now, there is far too much carbon in the atmosphere and the oceans, and not enough at all in its soil. The oceans absorb the carbon spillover from the atmosphere, which has been beneficial for a while, but by now the oceans are oversaturated. This is not good at all because, as we know, all the extra carbon is making our oceans more acidic. That's terrifying and, again, nearly incomprehensible in terms of what the negative consequences could be for humanity. One more time, ocean acidification is at least as big of a problem as climate change, although few are talking about it in the mainstream. Clearly, to bring the carbon cycle back into balance, we urgently need to bring carbon out of the atmosphere and put it somewhere. And as the oceans and atmosphere are swamped, the place for the carbon to go is back into the soil. So quickly, the carbon cycle is like the water cycle where the carbon just goes and goes and goes. This is the way I think of it from like from a kindergarten sort of science mm-hmm. perspective. Yes, take us there. And the really, <laughs> the really basic idea is that um, plants, you know, they've got, so I'm holding up my hand where there's like a little root, the, the roots under the, under the soil. I was taught, or I always thought anyway, that the plant roots were what were in direct connection to the soil, getting their minerals or whatever. Yes. But it turns out that there's this thing called mycorrhizal fungi that that connects and works as like a middleman between the plant roots and the soil and the stuff in the soil. And so it is mission critical to helping the plants get what they need out of the soil, uh, including their minerals and water, and uh, also helps when it's alive and all the other microscopic life. This huge ecology under the soil is necessary for the soil to be healthy because that is what keeps the carbon down in the mm. soil. Okay, so it's, I mean, it's a little bit- I'm with you to so get far. Too far. Does this make sense? Yes. And so, because you have the carbon in the atmosphere, the plants actually will breathe, I'm going to say breathe it in and let, poop it out. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, this is how plants actually work and it happens for free. So this is the micro part and then the macro part is the larger carbon cycle. And so if you scale back, I think of the cycle as just like the the land part, the water part, and the air part, very oversimplified. But when we kill that microscopic life in the soil, it goes back up into the atmosphere, releases into the atmosphere. So then it's going the wrong way. Mm. And then we get too much in the atmosphere and then our oceans are actually absorbing it as well. Oh, it's helping I see. Us out. So now if you think of it as a cycle, as all of nature works in cycles, there's too much in the air, too much in the water, not enough in the soil. And that's why the soil is such a critical part where we're like, oh, actually healing 
um, ecosystem restoration, putting forests back together, composting, changing the way we do agriculture. Because one of the biggest culprits is industrial agriculture, the way that we're overtilling and using pesticides mm-hmm. on the soil. Because again, if the soil is the divine feminine metaphor, the way we're treating, say, women, girls, and femmes is an exact metaphor for the way we're treating the soil. And what we're doing with the soil right now is mining it. Like we're t- the way we do industrial agriculture is to extract. We're taking things out. We're not mm-hmm. putting them back in. And compost is actually the micro level of how we give organic matter back to the soil. Okay. And offering. And even like the menstrual cycle, get real weird here, but the menstrual cycle offering back menstrual cycles. <laughs> I actually just talked about this on the witch podcast where it's like, I only started doing that not long ago, but I'm like, of course, because it's the, we have those of us who bleed also have a microbial balance in our bodies. It's the womb. And so there's also like all of life is teeming with microscopic life and and we are connected. So if someone is feeling called to start doing the composting or the menstrual blood, like, I mean, I've done the menstrual blood thing, but with composting, it's it's actually not a regular practice of mine. So what, how do we do that? Like if we just have a small yard or like, where do we take the compost? (laughs) So it depends wherever you live. It's very varied. Okay. Um, Some places like San Francisco, for example, has a wonderful city compost thing. So you literally can just take your stuff and put it in the bin. One like trick tip for that is to actually keep your uh, clippings and things from your food and put them in the freezer so that Mm. there's not like an extra step that bugs or something can get attracted to. And then actually my agent in New York started doing this in Manhattan because she realized that her uh, farmer's market receives compost clippings. So she would just save them all and then take them to the farmer's market whenever she was picking up her food anyway. And Mm. it didn't cost her any extra steps. And she didn't have rotting food in her trash uh, in Mm. Manhattan. It was a big deal. Big deal trash anyway. And so she was like, whoa, this is brilliant as she was reading my original manuscript. And then there's a whole spectrum of ways. So one great way is just to Google wherever you are and just see like, is there a compost collection? Is it community gardens will? Sometimes your neighbors will if you're not keeping your own compost so you can just drop it off. And then, and cities will, for example, regions even. But then if you have a place where you want to actually do the thing, you can set up. And again, this is really easy to sort of Google. However, it's most acceptable where you live. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a bin. Sometimes you can build your own thing all the way up to like giant worm, you know, bin thing that you can build and do the full, if you want to go like Get hardcore. Farm, yeah, like a compost <laughs> toilet, you know. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, full permaculture, everything. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad that we, that felt actually like the perfect thing. It really, it, it never fails. <laughs> wow. It's got this oracle quality that I just opened to a page. And ah, so beautiful. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, I know you're so studied and knowledgeable with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely didn't want to have an, a 100% spiritual <laughs> conversation, but it's hard for me to not go in that direction. <laughs> so I'm just tuning in one more time before we get into your ceremonial offering, which I think is just the perfect thing. Thing. If you're still going to do a grounding meditation, mm-hmm. yeah. it'll be so good because I'm sure we're all feeling inspired after this talk to, yeah, honor, honor Great Mother more and, and mm-hmm. honor our own ability to, to root within ourselves. And, you know, hmm, I feel like maybe before we do that, is there anything that you can touch on in terms of like, because I know you are educated when it comes to the chakra system and, uh, you know, getting... Yeah, I mean, there's so much I know, but doing root chakra work—I mean, it's all—all all of it's all of it's important, of course. But um, 
Yeah. It has been a game changer for me in doing that work and also learning to not resist. I had a big awakening many years ago. I was picking out an onk in the Egyptian section of my favorite metaphysical store in New York City when I was living there. And I was with another healer, much older gentleman. And thank God he was there because as I was picking the onks, I was picking one, putting in my hand, tuning into it. Like, no, I don't think that's it. Put another one in my hand. And I think it was like the third or fourth one, this onk like physically like dropped my arm in my hand. And I felt like my entire being was going to be taken down to the floor of the store. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I tossed that one back in the bin. I was like, that clearly wasn't it. And I went to reach for another one. And he said, well, wait a second. And he just gently like grabbed my hand before I could reach for another one. He said, just wait a second. But what if that was the exact one you needed? And I said, well, no, didn't you see? Like it it was so heavy, it nearly dropped me to the floor. And he said, well, wait a second. But what if that's exactly what you need? And it, thank God for him, because that was a major awakening for me because I reached in, I knew, I saw where the the one was that I tossed back in the bin and I reached and picked it back up. And in that moment, I realized up until that moment, I had been resisting Mm -hmm. Gaia, resisting her gravitational force and pull and her medicine Mm -hmm. and her, her energy and her force. Yeah, I had been in a state of resistance and I had not been leaning in and allowing and learning her. And from that moment, I bought that onk and, um, you know, was such a teacher for me for many years. And from that moment have continued to just cultivate and lean in. And so many of my meditations, I mean, now, like, I mean, that's where the name rock star shaman comes from is my mm-hmm. relationship to rock guy and, Amazing. and star source. And, um, <laughs> and, um, so now it's equal parts and I'm very much in balance, but it took a lot of practice to, to learn, to love her yeah. potency. Her force is such a thing. And, um, so yeah, I just share that perhaps it, it might m- make someone, and listening realize that maybe you've unconscious because it's totally unconscious for me right right um that i had been doing that so i don't know if anything comes up for mm. you around the energetics of that or root chakra anything before we get into your meditation yeah thank you i feel like oh a few things came up let me see which <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're in a good um, dance with this <laughs> i think the one that's popping up the most is that just the basics of the root chakra is its home identity foundation tribe as archetypes. And I know for me, my mom is an immigrant. And then for anybody living in in the United States, it's either, um, we have either immigration or we have unfortunately genocide or also unfortunately slavery. Those are our our things here. And where's your mom from? Taiwan. And her family's from China. So they were also refugees. So there's another Mm. layer. And that matrilineal line is really interesting. The way that displacement and um, the lines through the womb, it's passed down from womb to womb. Mm. And also that root chakra is also uh, formed in that in that womb space as well. Like that's uh, when you get a lot of that energetic imprint is from your mother in the womb. And so that gets passed down. And if there's fear in there, fear is the, is the shadow of um, the root chakra as opposed to like security in a sense of being secure into the mother, not security, like financial, like into capitalism, but like, like energetically rooted. Right. And so Mm. like, like the, the grounding meditation I often do is growing roots, you know, like, like, imaginary roots into Mother Gaia to remind us that we are connected to the great source. And it counters that 
that staticky force that we need to get our security, safety, and our value outside of ourselves. Ah, boom. And so I think that's what everything. Yeah, that's what we're chasing. What drives our fear? What drives our um, feeling of inadequacy and worthiness is also uh, a huge part of the root chakra. And so. Connecting into spirit is where we remember, or connecting to mother, connecting to root is where we remember our inherent worthiness. And that is that that counteracting force to these twisted archetypes that we're talking about, to these uh, these other ways of telling the story. Like, we can always come home. And I find this in ceremony too. Like th- this is the easiest where it's just like, oh, she just reminds me. That's That's what happens for me in ceremony often. I'm pulled like Sometimes it's child's pose. Mm-hmm. And one ceremony I was in, I, I felt the metaphor of child's pose because, you know, on your knees, forehead to the earth. I was like, oh, we're her children. It's mm-hmm. child's pose. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole journey has been that. right. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like a kindergarten level metaphor, right? So yeah. just all, but it's and it's mm-hmm. rich, it's full with them. And it's been like this maze because our culture is, is the opposite. Yeah. And so we're, we're taught everything the opposite. It's upside down, backwards, and in the dark. We're like, oh, we're it, that's why we feel so crazy when we're trying to get through it. And it's like, oh, we can just go home. Oh, right. so I was just right here. <laughs> oh my gosh. And was it was there a ceremony that where you like slept on the earth for a really long time or you did something like that? I think that was the one you're talking about where I was I was in one unexpectedly for 36 hours. I think that's it. <laughs> and that was the one where I I felt her in a way that I had been writing about her. I, I had been essentially I had just written the section where I essentially evoked her in written word. Okay. And then a few days later, I was in this ceremony and I just, it, it became embodied. It got integrated mm. into my cells in a way that it was still kind of in my mind. Like I was putting all of these intellectual pieces together. I was getting guided. I was doing all this different healing work. And then boom, it was like, Oh, oh, we're her children. (laughs) (laughs) So good. All you have to do is like get on your knees, get that's where getting on our knees comes from, right? And getting like for me, like laying, camping, that's why it's so good. When I feel like it's just too much or I am lost or somehow I don't have direction. There's too much. Yeah. I um, put my entire body on yeah. the earth for as long as I can. Yeah, same. And anytime I go to any new lands, I I love to, you know, like get on my knees and like bow and yeah. honor and put my hands down. And I typically turn and put my left ear down to her and talk mm-hmm. to her and ask her questions and hear what she has to say and speak to the love and light guardians of that land. And who are you? And, mm-hmm. you know, thanking them for inviting and calling me there. And yeah, just learning how to work and co-live and co-create while I'm there. Even if it's just a place I'm staying at for a couple of days, it's like, whose land is this and where am I and who are the beings that that guard this place who who am I going to be living with for the next couple of days like hello you know and it's such I love doing that practice it's Mm. so cool to meet um the energy of that particular place and and who's around it so Mm. okay so speaking of meeting energies I'm excited to yeah just have you tell us whatever it is we need to do to be in proper uh, state and readiness for your meditation. Mm, All right. Thank you. So I would say honor your body first of all. So rather than like put your left foot over here, put, you know, whatever feels good. So if 
sitting feels good, if standing feels good, if laying down feels good, uh, just honor that first and make sure that you are supported so there's no pain or you're not struggling to hold yourself up in any way. And if you can be connected to the earth or the ground, whatever you have access to. So if you're in a building, you can just put your feet on the ground wherever you are. And then let's see, I'm going to put my hands facing upwards. I tend to put my hands facing upwards for more receptivity and downwards um, palms to the knees, for example, for a little more groundedness. So that might be what most people are called to. And then wherever you are, if closing eyes feels good, we can start to do that. Just start to connect to the breath. Feeling all four corners of the feet on the earth if your feet are facing bottoms of feet down. Otherwise, feeling all four points of whatever parts of your body are connected to the earth right now. And staying connected to the breath. Feeling your central axis. So imagining there's a bright line moving through your body out through the top of your head to the universe if you're sitting up or however feels aligned, whatever position you're in, down to the center of the earth, grounding you. And just let your body naturally align to that imaginary bright line without forcing or resisting. And staying connected to the breath. Feel the earth fully supporting your body. And calling in your team if that feels aligned. So calling in team high is good. So anyone or anything that wants to be here to guide your meditation or your highest good, it's calling them into the space. Take a moment to just invite yourself into the space. If you're feeling your mind wander, yourself exiting, just gently inviting yourself all the way back into your body and inviting yourself back into the breath and inviting yourself back into the present moment. And as you stay connected to the breath, just noticing if any thoughts float by, just allowing them to float by like clouds, maybe labeling them as thoughts, just inviting yourself gently back in without attaching or resisting. Just being with your breath, if it feels aligned to count breath, you can Inhale to a count of four. Hold for a count of four. And exhale to a count of four. And taking that count of four at your own pace. So just moving through some cycles at your own pace.
You can continue breathing, continue counting if it feels good or drop the counting if it feels good. And then just imagining some roots growing down from the base of your spine or the bottoms of your feet or both or whatever feels good. Maybe your whole body dropping deep into rich, fertile soil. Rich, carbon-rich, microbial life-rich, forest floor-rich, fertile soil, dropping deep, deep, deep into Mother Earth, feeling rooted and grounded and solid and secure. Staying with the breath, maybe scanning the body for anything that may not serve. And then just allowing it to drop all the way down through your roots down into the earth. Just releasing absolutely anything that doesn't serve. Knowing that you can do this at any time that Mother Gaia will take anything that you desire to release and compost it and turn it into something more useful. You don't need to carry anything around. And staying with the breath, if it feels good, starting to draw up any nourishment that feels aligned coming from Mother Gaia. Bringing it into your energetic body, into your physical body. Knowing that you can also draw up nourishment at any time, and she always has more than enough. And as you're breathing, just feel into that root chakra. So right around at the base of your spine, pelvic floor. Just feeling a rich, healthy red color. And feeling into the affirmations, I am enough. I am safe. I am worthy. I know my value. I honor my healthy boundaries. I am nourished. I am grounded. Let's take several breaths here. As you're breathing, just allow that nourishment that you're drawing up from Mother Earth to circulate throughout your entire body. Feel it revitalizing every cell in the body and into your spirit body. 
Just taking three more long, deep cleansing breaths. And then whenever you're ready, bringing hands to heart. I actually feel to do one ohm now, speaking of the vibration. So whenever you're ready, you can join me out there. Take one long inhale. Benefits of this meditation stay with you all week, honoring yourself for showing up in the moment. Namaste. And gently opening eyes whenever you feel ready. Namaste. Oh, it felt so good. Yeah, you really do have that anchor strength, medicine, so embodied in you. Thank you. No wonder you're the author of a book called <laughs> Grounded. <laughs> so great. Mm. I I knew I was going to have a good time with you. <laughs> so glad. Such a joy. Yeah. yeah thank thank you so again much. for flying into Austin just thank to you. make this happen. Worth every second. I was going to yeah. say, totes worth it in my book. So <laughs> I hope you guys had as much mm-hmm. fun as we did. And one last quick question, just because it was coming in during the meditation. Um, I'm so just so curious. The um, plant medicine ceremony where you had your voice activation, yeah. which medicine was it that you were working with? Mm, that one was unusually LSD. That was one of the few times. Um, Interesting. That wasn't even, and, I, and I call it plant medicine. I, I realize not everybody might. Um, normally it's psilocybin. That's actually, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm much more connected to psilocybin. Yeah, I was curious about that. So you had a major throat opening. That was, yeah. And that that particular medicine, LSD, has actually been a really powerful medicine in a few um, activations. So I yeah. don't know, it rarely calls me, but there we are. And actually, you know, I hadn't thought of this, but psilocybin, obviously it's fungus, right? It's literal mushrooms. And so we're talking about like directly from the earth. It tastes like the earth. That the different medicines, they have these, they have different personalities. So it's interesting that that throat one was, was a bit different. And that was like the first throat one. It was a different kind of opening. And sometimes LSD is, it will, it'll take me to places that I'm not, it's like an, op- an opener in that sense. That's, that's uh, yes. something different than what I would experience with psilocybin. So that's maybe that's, I had never thought of that, <laughs> put that together. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, you and Luke will have a lot to bond over with the love of the mushroom world. <laughs> Those are his best, best friends. So. They're, they're so good. And they're making <laughs> such a solid comeback. So I'm yes. you both of those medicines and, yeah. and so many others. It's so beautiful. So true. Yeah. We are both speaking, um, 
Um, I'm keynote at Meet Delic, um, this big uh, psychedelic wellness conference, and also will be guiding uh, Journeys in Meditation soon for Field Trip app, which they Mm, also specialize in that world. So yeah. Oh, very exciting. It is. It is. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I, of course, as always, um, will include your links to your social media and your website and where people can get your book and all the show notes that are on my website and also on my Instagram. But I highly recommend, like we touched on, Aaron's book is like a like a living oracle book. You know, you can read it all the way through the way I did or flip to a page, um, but it really is an embodied um powerful medicine book that I highly recommend. So good job. It was Thank worth the so seven much. years of trying <laughs> to get you. it done. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here and I'm so uh, grateful for your work that you bring in the world. Mm. It's really, it's so special and so opening for me. So thank you. I will receive that. Mm. Thank you for saying that. And with that, we send you all love. And remember, you can circle back to this chat and the specifically just circle back to doing the grounding meditation any day, every day, multiple times a day, you know, whenever you need to, to get back in that place, just um, pop this interview back open and fast forward to Aaron's guidance whenever you feel called to. All right, guys, until next time. Woo, what a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. 
This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.